is NAB Show Live. Good morning. You're watching NAB Show Live, brought to you by Broadcast Beat. I'm your host, Deborah Kaufman. We've got a really interesting panel on plugins in TV post-production, something that I think gets overlooked a lot, but we're going to delve into its mysteries in just a second or two. I have a great panel with me. Directly to my right is Aaron Stern, who is a motion designer with his own company, Stern Effects, correct? Correct. And, and next to him is Pierre Jasmin, who's the owner of Revision Effects. Is that how you pronounce it, Pierre? And next to him is uh, Matza Aderhold, who is the owner of a company called Angry Face. <laughs> Are you going to make an angry face? And is also your support for Assimilate as well, correct? Which exactly. is great. Excellent. So I know that we're, before the show, we talked a little bit about how TV post can be, all post in general, especially with visual effects, can be really complicated because we've gone are the days where one facility would do all the visual effects for a program. Uh, the effects are everywhere. So talk a little bit about what are your challenges in, as facility owners and, and users of these effects uh, tools in working on TV post? Yeah, so uh, just, just for context, our different specialty along that line, uh, Aaron, Aaron is involved in training. Uh -huh. He specialized into uh, After Effects Premiere and Cinema 4D workflow, right? Uh, Maz is uh, involved with uh, Scratch, which is an application by Assimilate that, uh, that is used a lot but not necessarily just for uh, finishing, I, I guess I would describe it. Yeah, finishing catches it. Right. And we do uh, plugins, uh, little building blocks to solve certain problems, and we support a lot of different applications, right? So we all come from this from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this context, is much more related to supporting directly uh, material that's being ingested, so uh, the camera information and stuff like that. Shall we start at the ingest point then? Let's, Matsa, talk, talk to us a bit about what are the challenges at the ingest point. Well, um, the first challenge is obviously to read the format. There's a multitude of camera formats out there, and at every NAB there's like 20 new ones, which we have to write support for. Uh. Um, then you ingest those formats, you have to read all the metadata out of them, you have to get the color right. Um, and when it comes to plugins, the challenge is ultimately to recreate the effects that the editor did in an NLE uh, inside your grading slash finishing application of choice. So the format, the issue with camera formats is, as you pointed out, is just getting worse you or more complicated. Are there? It, <laughs> how do you handle that? I mean, are there? Are, well, it gets complicated in different ways because there are uh, uh, processes like, like uh, for example, if you use uh, Premiere Pro, Premiere Pro is not a color managed workflow, uh -huh. right? Uh, it's starting to be a bit the. Uh, there's a tradition of uh, rendering the computer uh, animation part, graphics, in linear, mm -hmm. right? And often there's a problem of, if you goes over uh, material that was shot with a camera and with camera having all kinds of 
weird uh, curves or something like that. Yeah. The computer graphics, people are never quite sure. It's usually a different little company, uh, Episodic Series. <laughs> They're never quite sure what to match their color to. Uh, and often I've seen at the post side, they sort of regrade the computer graphics. Yes. Uh, because the computer graphics people didn't know what to match to. Some color decision has taken completely separate uh, in that process. I don't know what you have. Well, Aaron, as somebody who does training, tell me a little bit about yeah. what you encounter. Who, who, do, who are you training? Where do you go to train people? Um, so for me, like I've got my own website which offers Hebrew training because ah, okay. I was based in Israel for a long time. I just moved, we relocated to London. But I still keep this website going because I feel that you know, it's some sort of a mission for me, as well as a business, let's be honest. Uh, but I'm also teaching at LinkedIn Learning. This used to be lynda.com. Lynda.com, of yeah. course. We, so, we love lynda.com. Yeah, we also, I also love lynda. So now it's owned by LinkedIn Learning, which is owned by Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> I found myself in the end working for Microsoft. Anyhow, um, so yes, I've got more than 2,000 courses over there. And then I'm doing training mostly for Adobe. So I'm teaching at conferences like this one. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I think that I gave here like 15 sessions, which is quite a lot. I'm yes. proud that I have my voice still with me. And Adobe Max and other conferences um, in the US mostly. So uh, what are the challenges that you're seeing people face in, in terms of uh, post? Yeah, I think that most of it is expectations. It's like great expectations by Charles Dickens. I mean, client expects to get results as they're seeing in the movie. So sometimes they will tell me, I want it to look like a Disney movie. So this is just like owning everybody now. I can just say, make it like a Disney or a Pixar movie or a Marvel movie. And they don't understand the amount of work that needs to be put into this kind of level. So people have very, I mean, they know how to judge stuff. They right. have a lot of experience because everybody wants, uh, goes to the movies. We are all watching those blockbusters. They don't realize how much work it involves. Like every movie, we have like almost 15 minutes of credit at the end because tons of people are working. Right. And sometimes they are expecting that, you know, just one man show will be able to deliver the same results. Yes. So there are solutions. There are like cheats and fakes. That you can achieve something which is very close to. But I think this is the most challenging part. It's more of a narrative thing. Um, although, of course, technicalities a big thing here. Uh, but we are getting close. It's amazing that now these days, a man with, like one man show, a man with a computer, a desktop um, um, computer, or you know, sometimes a couple of them can really achieve close results to what we are seeing from the big guns. And, and I'm curious, as you work with students, I'm presuming, are you teaching them some of these shortcuts? And no, absolutely. Oh, yeah. all right. I'm a shortcut person, but I do love, I mean, I always assume nothing. So I always start with menus and stuff. I'm teaching them uh, everything they need to know in order to build the shot. Uh, but yes, I, I love to teach not only the built-in tools, but the plugins. And these days, plugins are almost a software within a software. So it's another application, sometimes with another interface, 
you, um, there's a steep learning curve here. Right. Now, I presume, do you teach revision? Like, sure. Tell I us a little revision. bit about that. What do you love about it? Oh, revision have some tools that without them, I think that some of the projects that I did commercially wouldn't be possible. For example, we had a project a, a year ago for the World Cup football where we needed to, um, like there was a couple of matches each day, mm -hmm. and we didn't know which team will win, so we needed to find some way in order to uh, create or dress or ro uh, wrap the texture, the 3D texture on some models that we did. And we actually used the remap tool. This is a UV uh, map tool which will allow you to um, take textures and wrap them in After Effects, after the fact. So you basically are rendering a UWV. UV, yes. UVW, maybe I'm getting the <laughs> letters uh, uh, the wrong order. But it's basically an XYZ coordinate for mm -hmm. materials. Uh -huh. And then this plugin, which is amazing, can just take a flat, let's say flag, and wrap it around whatever object. So in our case, it was a babushka. So some, I think matryoshka is always oh, the, Russian, the, the Russian doll. Yeah, the Russian doll. Right. And we've managed to just do it in no time. So instead of like bringing everything back to the 3D uh, application, which will take us forever, we did everything in After Effects. So the minute that we heard about who are going to compete with who in terms of countries, probably 10 minutes after that, we were ready with the yeah. with the graphics for, so for the it, next it, night. It's actually a workflow that's a lot used in television right now for because uh, it allows like the computer graphics animation to be done at one time. Mm -hmm. So you there's spots in the thing, then you can change dynamically. So uh, a lot of like sports network or uh, and things like that. So all the teams, you can change just the teams, the team's picture, the team name, the score, and it just render re render quickly over the 3D animation, whatever elements need to change in the scene, something like that. Yeah, it's brilliant because yeah. it, you are like confirming to the same color scheme, to the same design theme, and the only thing that you do is just to switch, basically use the pull-down menu to choose another source. So it sounds very, very useful. Super are, th useful. are there other ways you're using revision plugins? Sure, there is another tool from them, <laughs> uh, Real Smart Motion Blur, RSMB, so they've got two versions. The regular one, which is like, you know, adding full motion blur in post, it's, it was like my to-go tool for years. But it, they also offer a pro version. And this version actually uses a pass from a 3D. So you just need to tick this when you are rendering multi-passes, uh -huh. uh, which kind of work basically on the same idea. So it's rendering the speed, the velocity with colors. And then this plugin can take this input, and then when you are in post, you can determine the amount of motion blur that you need to add to the shot. If you are going to do it in the 3D environment, you will bring your computers on its knees. It will be a very slow right. It's not just uh, speed, it's also uh, sometimes in compositing, you, you, you want to adjust that uh, in context. Yeah, the right. amount. Right. Like, you know, you, you can art direct the shot, you can determine where, and you can also keyframe motion blur. That's which is, uh, I know, faking reality, but this is like absolute no, it's control. It's super great. And Very it's useful. really the kinds of solutions people need is it yeah. needs to be. Yeah. Once you find it, it's a godsend. You can't like go back. It's like air conditioning. You can't live without <laughs> it once you have it at least turned on once. Yeah. Well, what about you, Matza? Are you, tell me a little bit about your plug-in experiences. Well, the, 
the challenges in finishing and grading are much more basic, actually. Um, simple things like retiming or denoising uh, are good examples uh, for the usage of plugins in a finishing application, like scratches. Um, when it comes to conforming, first of all, it gives the, the artist the option to be able to, use, to do the same effects using the exact same tool in his finishing system that the editor has been using in his NLE. So there's not like two different kinds of algorithms that might produce different results. No, it's the same. You can recreate the exact effect. Um, on our side as developers, it's obviously a good thing to, uh, to be able to rely on plugins from Revision FX, like for instance, Twixter. Um, I don't know, Twixter retiming, how old is that algorithm? But we keep on evolving it. <laughs> That's exactly the point. I think you've, you've spent like, what, 20 years on improving that algorithm? We have, as developers, really no interest to reinvent the wheel, you know, and spend exactly. 20 years of our lives doing yeah. it. Um, so we can focus our resources on other aspects of the software. Excellent. That's, that's really great. Do you use other aspects of revision? Um, yes, denoising is also uh, uh, a great... Uh, a great uh, uh, plugin to use in Scratch because it's it's a fabulous algorithm um, which is really top notch and gives our users the best denoising out there. So, do you assimilate users? How do they become aware of what they can do with revision plugins? I'm curious. I mean, some of you are. I mean, you're involved in education and you're in the real world and working in facilities. How do people become aware of? Oh, this is the plugin I really need to use. So usually it's a need, like there is a need to solve a problem uh -huh. um, and since um, Adobe and other companies build their software in, in a way that it's basically an open platform so if the manufacturer is not including these tools out of the box, know already that there are, probably will be a solution. It's either going to be a script or an expression with a little snippet of code that you can just copy and paste from a website or a plugin, which is once again a software inside a software. So, in the old days, plugins used to be some sort of a macros or an action if you're compared yes. to Photoshop. But these days, as I told you, it's like a complete, complete solution. So, you Google it, you Google your, your, your problem, and, uh, and usually so. come to a point when you have a couple of options to choose from. And then so, you. So, there's, there's a, a lots of people, you, I, if I look at our own statistics, how people arrive to our website. Yeah. Lots of people arrive from Google, right? So, uh, and uh -huh. they uh, they usually have a specific problem, right? It could be anything. It could be uh, I shot uh, a wedding video. I set up all my things correctly, and then the DJ arrived with his lighting system, and now everything flickers, right? Uh, yes. and, and what do I do? Because you can't reshoot the the wedding, right? <laughs> so. Uh, Things that re arrive a lot to us uh, as tech support question, not in, not someone coming directly for the tool, but coming with a problem. And also there are the trial versions. Yes. So you can actually you know, download, see if it works for you. Right. And then if you want to get rid of the red X, then go ahead and purchase it. And now Revision has been around for how many years now, Pierre? It's our 20th anniversary. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and what, did it, what, what tool did you first, um, when you first uh, opened up? Uh, our first tool was, uh, 
I think we'll smile motion blur was our first tool. Uh-huh. No, VideoGo, sorry. VideoGo was our first tool. And actually, our first tool was VideoGo as a QuickTime plugin. Because 20, uh, 19 years ago, QuickTime was very popular. <laughs> right, I remember, I remember. So, in other words, you, you create tools that solve specific problems. Yeah. How do you find out what those specific problems are? Is it people coming to you or? Uh, well, so the, there's, uh, some of it is uh, people coming to us with problem. Some of us, some of it is having experience and foreseeing problems ahead, right? So like a uh, number of years ago when I, uh, I started seeing camera, uh, like Sony had a camera for a broadcast that could do 20, 240 frames per second, and then I realized, well, all those people are going to need, are going to have flicker problem, right? Right. Uh, uh, and so you make a the flicker progr program because you foresee that people are going to shoot over 120 frames per second in the future, right? Right. Something like that. So, uh, so you really have to keep your finger on the pulse of where technology is going. Yeah. I'm curious, do you have any ideas now for new plugins that uh, new technology is going to require? Um, yes. <laughs> Can you tell us? It's in the last year. So uh, 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 each year we work on this little specific sort of problem. That's about our bandwidth, right? And in the last year we work on... Uh, uh, a certain class of color problems, which are uh, uh, not what you can traditionally do with a interactive color corrector, mm -hmm. but a set of things around that. Uh, and in particular, I noted uh, uh, trying to go from a standard uh, SDR to HDR, right? The opposite of, of the, the best case scenario, right? And uh, it is difficult, so we started to work in, in, in those kind of problems, uh, and which are not problems that are easy to completely automate. Because uh, imagine you shoot, uh, someone shoots something against like a window mm -hmm. that's outside in the sun, right? The, the intent might be that you you actually want to have all the content like just white because you don't want to see outside, or you might want to see outside, right? And when you start manip manipulating the color, like in, in, a, in a manner that you, your algorithm says this is how it should look like, it has, it has to be a decision because you may not want to reveal all what's right. outside or you, you know you might, things things you, like that. You like to offer a choice. You have to. It, it's not something. The, the the point I'm getting at is uh, going doing it SDR to HDR for example is not something that can be totally automatic automatic because it implies decision it implies right? a choice yeah you don't want to reveal uh, everything in the black suddenly because you might have it might not be lit in there for a reason because it's all the things you don't want to see so it gives more control in the hands of the of the artist and the director actually too uh, it, well, it's not that it makes, gives them control, is uh, people have to be aware of, uh, it's not like you can, st you can decide halfway in a project to go to, 
that you want to be HDR now. <laughs> well, that's certainly true. Well, we're running out of time, but I'm curious, you're with two people who could give you some interesting feedback, perhaps, on uh, plugins that they see the need for in the future. Matza, do you have any ideas of, <laughs> of what uh, Pierre should be working on? Well, um, AI has certainly been a buzzword yeah. as, yes. at this NAB show, and I think there's, there's plenty of opportunities in that field in terms of scaling, retiming, uh, face recognition, creating UV maps, um, all sorts of things. There's, there's a whole wealth of opportunities there in AI, well, as scary I, as it might sound. Well, I see Pierre nodding his head, so presumably you're thinking that direction a little bit. Yeah, a, a, a little bit, except I'm, a, a, I'm, I'm careful about the, this, this branding sometimes, right? Because a lot of things here that are labeled AI are actually like standard computer vision with a little bit of AI there to uh, optimize. But when uh, it comes out of marketing, it's like now with AI. Yeah, 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 that's true. People are gonna have to limit their expectations. What, yeah. about, what about you, Aaron, what do I'm, you see? I'm still waiting for someone to come up with a plugin with just one button, make it look cool, and you know, forget about it. Don't want to know how it works. Let the machine do all the work. Is that the it. button that says fast, exactly. cheap, fast, cheap, and, yeah, and fast, cheap, high and quality? Yeah, fast, cheap, and also render fast, yeah. and use the GPU, and you know, I'm going to take my coffee break now. You know, Pierre, if you, if you invent that button, it's <laughs> going to be golden. Everybody will use it. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate thank you. it. You've been watching NAB Show Live. This is Deborah Kaufman, your host. Come back again for some more NAB Show Live, brought to you by Broadcast Beat. Thank you.